0: To another edition of the Untitled Jeff Buck Podcast. I'm your host Jeff Buck, and I'm coming to you a little after 1 a.m. is when I'm recording this in an empty room at Daytona International Speedway. And I'm here with Jordan Bianchi from sbnation.com, who was the original podcast co-host for the first two episodes of this still untitled podcast. Jordan, how are you? I'm doing well. I actually think I'm your
1: most frequent guest. If I start thinking about it, because I think this is my fifth appearance on the podcast.
0: Yeah, nobody else has more than 2. I'm almost positive. So you are my go-to guy, but especially because you let me stay for free at your house for this entire weekend. I saved all this money on hotels. So thank you for doing that. My whole goal is to help the jeffglock.com brand. Wow, well, I'm sure your SB Nation bosses will be happy to hear that that's your goal and not giving them good content, but I'm sure you did give them good content tonight because there was a lot to write about and one of those things was Ricky Senhouse Jr. getting his second career win, second straight plate win, and very unusual circumstances, an odd race. I mean, you can't say he didn't deserve it because he did. He led four different times. He was up there. He had a fast car. It wasn't a fluke, just like his Talladega one wasn't a fluke, but it was sort of like a lot of the fast cars got knocked out in what was basically a wreck fest, the most cautions in history for the 400. And the second most I don't know if you know this, I just put this in my in my column. Second most cautions ever for a Daytona race, including all of the five hundreds except for one race in two thousand eleven. What do you think of that?
1: That's pretty crazy. I knew it had the most cautions for the four hundred. I didn't realize it for the five hundred. And you said, I mean, it, it wasn't a fluke win. He certainly earned it, and he's proven to be a good restrictor plate racer. But it didn't look like he was going to win for much of the night because a lot of heavy hitters were running really well. Earnhardt, Harvick, McMurray, you know, all these guys that you know, typically. Keslowski. you know, all these guys you associate, you know, with plate racing were doing really, really well. And they just kept getting whittled down slowly at, you know, different things. And at the end, it, it was almost a last man standing
0: thing, and there was Stenhouse. Yeah, and the craziest thing about it was, and I think it was your tweet at one point. It was like late, pretty late in the race. Three guys in only three guys in the top twenty-four had a win this season. I mean, so it was like almost guaranteed that somebody there was going to be a new winner, some exciting new storyline. And then on the final overtime restart, um, out of all the top nine, there was only one driver. Who had a win this season? That was Ricky Stenhouse Jr. And of course, he ends up winning. Now, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is still a good story because he hadn't won that often. It's not like he's Jimmy Johnson wins all the time or something. But did it not feel like somewhat of like a letdown based on the way this race was trending? with the David Reagans up there, the McDowell's. I mean, you had possibly Clint Boyer. Um, some crazy stuff was gonna happen. I don't know, was it was it a letdown to you at all? I don't know if it's a letdown, but it certainly changed
1: the dynamic, because I'm looking at this going, one of these guys wins, whoever it is. One, of, If it wasn't Newman, or, or uh, Johnson, or uh, Stenhouse wins, it's gonna shake up the playoff field. And then I'm starting to think of, wow, Matt Kenseth's gonna be out, and maybe Joey Logano's gonna be out, and there's gonna be some really big guys that you don't expect to be out of the playoffs and that didn't happen. Now, if you're a Matt Kenseth and a Joey Logano and a Clint Boyer and you're on the bubble, you're thinking, okay, we kind of escaped with a, a, a so-so night in a lot of respects, and we're still in really good shape going forward. So, it had the potential to be really crazy and to really shake up the playoff field, and it didn't do that.
0: Well, actually, Jordan, I screwed this up um, in, in my column that I referred to earlier. So, I went through, and you know, this st- I have to say, the standings that NASCAR puts out, um, they, they do help a lot, but they don't spell out the playoff standings like you see on TV. So you have to go through and you have to check the people off who have wins, check off the unencumbered win or the the encumbered win that Joey Logano has, and then add up who's left, and those are the people in points. You have to do it all by hand yourself. So my bleary eyes past midnight as I was doing my column, I missed a driver. And so I originally thought Joey Logano, who's 12th in points, was still in the playoffs. However, Jordan, he is not in the playoffs. He's out right now. Um, he's out by three points. Uh, Matt Kenseth is in the final spot. And so, yeah, right now if the playoffs started, I I mean, that is insane to think because Joey Logano just seemed seemed to be getting better and better. That team is excellent. There's nothing wrong with that team, it seems like, but yet he really could miss the playoffs. And especially if there's another new winner that's below him points like an Almondinger, then that line really moves. Then he's in pretty serious trouble.
1: It is, and you know this is a driver who's made the playoff, the final four of the playoffs, to the last three years, and a guy who's been on the brink of winning the championship a couple times now, and yeah, he's gonna miss, he could miss the playoffs, and it all goes back to that an encumbered win, and you know you think about well at the time, well he's got an encumbered win, not a big deal, a guy don't get another one, he'll get in. That might not be the case, and as of right now, he's off. So yeah, he's going to need a win. And you're starting to look at this. You've got Watkins Glen. You've still got Pocono, which weird things happen. There's there's a couple races upcoming where these situations kind of materialize that uh, you get the you know a surprise winner. Like last year, we had a you know Boucher. It, This could be really interesting to see how this shakes out. There there is a really good possibility they're going to have like two, three, maybe four big names not make the playoffs.
0: Yeah, that's perhaps true, but I think there is one storyline that we can now put to rest tonight and that is 16 different winners that no, that that was probably not ever going to happen but it was starting to look possible especially if there was some crazy winner tonight that you didn't even see coming at all and then there could have been a a road course one i mean you know now at this point there's only nine races left until the playoffs start there's not going to be six new crazy winners in the next nine weeks i'm pretty confident especially with the plate race already gone so r.i.p to the 16 different winners' storyline. Is that fair?
1: I think that's very fair. I never thought there was going to be 16. I mean, you start looking at this, you mean, you figure Harvick's going to get a couple more wins, and you know Kyle Busch it doesn't have a win on the year, but at, at some point he's going to knock one out of the park here and get a win, and probably a couple... I never thought that was possible. If you go back and actually look at the last couple years, this year's actually on pace or right close to it to what we've seen. So it it seems weird because we've had this rash of first-time winners and we've had a lot of big names that haven't won races this year. But ultimately, it wasn't going to happen. It's going to end up being you 12, 13 like we usually see. Then you have three wild cards, and that's probably what's going to happen this year.
0: Jordan, what's weirder? Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has two wins and Joe Gibbs Racing has zero wins. Or... Richard Childress Racing has two wins, and Joe Gibbs Racing has zero wins.
1: I don't know, but the fact that Joe Gibbs Racing has zero wins is surprising to me because you look at that lineup, You know, Kyle Busch, Danny Hamlin, Matt Kenseth, those are three title contenders, and Suarez has been pretty solid this year too. And they don't have a win. Now that you kinda gotta step back and look at it though. Kyle Bush could easily have what four or five wins this year. He's run a ton of laps. Kensit's been pretty good, almost won the race tonight actually. Hamlin's ahead of his moments too. So it, it just seems like weird things keep happening to that team. But at some point they're gonna start getting some breaks and they're gonna start knocking you know, getting these wins. But they don't though right now. And Richard Childress Racing, who's kind of been so so the last couple of years, has got two now. And now Ricky Stenhouse Jr., who's never won a race before this year, has all of a sudden got two. And it, that's yeah. I mean, it's something. And you know, you look at Joe Gibbs Racing not having a win. That's crazy because they were dominant the last two years. They won half the, the regular season races last year.
0: You know, it's funny though, as and I'll put this in air quotes: the Joe Gibbs Racing struggles that we talk about a lot because they don't have wins. I mean, they do have three drivers currently in the playoffs still. And Kyle Busch is third in points. Um, so, he, you know, he's he's going to be pretty okay. Um, the amount of points that he has, it would take a near miracle to knock him out. I'm trying to do this um, in my head right now. But basically, he has over a 100-point lead uh, easily. Um, actually, a 117-point lead, I believe, at this time to where he would get knocked out of the playoffs. So I think he's going to be fine. And, and Joe Gibbs racing, they seem to be getting better and better. So they'll be okay. I am a little bit more worried about Penske though. I mean, going back to the Logano thing, you have, you know, he's not running as well as he should be, obviously, because he's, he's not currently in, but Keselowski as well has been pretty inconsistent. He had a great night tonight at Daytona where he could have gotten another win. But I mean, Keselowski's, uh you know, coming up to the halfway point of the season here and you know, I have con- some concerns about that team. Do you do you share those?
1: Yeah, I mean they're not consistent like we usually see. They don't have high end excellence. You go back to a couple weeks at Michigan, which is an intermediate track, kind of like we're going to see in the playoffs, and they were just so so. They had a, like I think they finished 16th. But that said, I think Logano's kind of turned the corner a little bit. I know tonight's the exception, but you know this a you know plate race. Things are going to happen. He had a good run two weeks ago at Michigan, had a top 10 finish there. He, he was good last week until some issues there at, at Sonoma. So the, I think the speed is starting to come around for the 22 team. They just haven't been able to put the Together, and there's some really, really good tracks coming up. You know, Pocono, Michigan, and Bristol—all tracks he's won at before. And now that mentality is going to shift a little bit, where they're not going to have to—they can't be necessarily just conservative and just kind of go about their business. They might have to be a little bit more aggressive now and change up their strategy a little bit. And I think that serves that team because they seem to be at their best when they're doing outside-the-box strategies. Todd Gordon is one of those crew chiefs that likes to, you know, do different things. And I think that's going to do well for them. And if they can have the speed and they have this, you know, crazy aggressive strategy, I think they're going to be okay.
0: Do you think that Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to be okay? That's my next question because this may have been his last best chance to win. Um, Not feeling too good about his playoff hopes at this point. He's got nine races left. Yeah, he's been good at Pocono and Michigan in the past, but you don't see a whole lot about um, how that 88 team runs on a week-to-week basis to feel too good about them. Pulling off a win, yeah. I mean, you could have a great day where everything goes right, but just at this point, uh, got to be very discouraging for Dale Earnhardt Jr. fans. I, I don't really don't know what to tell them. Um, I was, you know. Kind of, uh, you, you kind of got used to seeing these feel-good stories when Jeff Gordon wins. You know, he wins at Martinsville for his final career win. They, you know, we're going to Homestead. Then Tony Stewart, you're like, oh, Tony Stewart's not com- very competitive. There's no way he's going to win this final year. He wins at Sonoma to get in the playoffs. So it was almost like, oh, yeah, Dale Jr. will win at some point this season to get in the playoffs. But not looking good. No, I mean, he might get that win at Tal later in the year, but in terms of
1: making the playoffs, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, this was his best shot tonight, and he gave it a go, and it looked like he was going to rally from two laps down. It looked like the story was writing itself, and it didn't happen but that the speed isn't there with that team the performance isn't there i know they had two top 10 finishes coming to daytona which was encouraging for them but they've let 10 laps all of this year before tonight and eight of those came in the daytona 500 and you have to continually put yourself up front and lead laps and be in position to win a race you just don't come out of nowhere usually to do it and it's just not there yes they have these tracks upcoming where they've had they've won before and they're successful but look at around look at who's doing you know who's who's doing the things that they're not you know in terms of performance and i don't see it unless you know something really weird happens now that could happen but i don't think it's gonna happen
0: yeah it's it's kind of a shame um i i actually started to think for a little bit there after he had rallied from two laps down um and and worked himself back in the top 10 i mean there, there's some damaged cars that can finish well at daytona look at michael McDowell. he finished fourth and he was involved in like two wrecks of course he pissed half the field off apparently. Um, or, you know, with his aggressive driving chase Elliott got mad at him, all this stuff. But, you know, I thought for a minute there, I was thinking, Oh, maybe this is going to be like Dale jr's great story. Like how his dad came from the back at Talladega, I think for his final career win in 2000. Um, and it just didn't work out that way. It's funny how sometimes NASCAR stories just seem to fall into place. And then other times you're like, no, what, this isn't, this isn't a fairy tale. No, this, the,
1: it looked like it, though, because, I mean, he's had these comeback wins before at Talladega, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, where his car was beat up to all heck, taped up, comes back, still wins the race, and it looked like it was going to happen tonight, and he was really, really strong, and you listen to his radio conversation, and I listened to it pretty intently tonight, he was really confident after the repairs, he's like, hey, the car's good, we're going to the front, and that's exactly what he did, and a lot of guys were having trouble passing tonight, he was passing low, he was passing high, he was cutting through the middle, he was on the move, and he was ready to make some, you know, go to the front even more, and then Harvick just had the tire issue and he had nowhere to go and it it is what
0: it is i'm gonna throw out some names here jordan and let me know who impressed you the most tonight of these young guys who at least spent some time up toward the front so um daniel suarez was up there for a while ty Dillon was leading the race late daryl Walls jr um had was up there for a bit and and having a shot Um, And Eric Jones was um, leading the race he led nine laps which out of those four drivers uh, Impressed you the most?
1: It's kind of a tie between Suarez and Dillon. They're both rookies this year, and they looked really good. They're up front. They're leading. They're aggressive, especially Ty Dillon. He's kind of a plate driver. People forget he actually finished technically in the top ten for Tony Stewart a couple years ago at Talladega. So he's good in these plate races, and he looked really good there. And he had that run on uh, on Reagan there, the outside. If Reagan couldn't clear him, Ty Dillon was going to take the lead and probably win this race. And Suarez looked really good too there towards the latter stages. They both looked really good. And, you know, Darrell Wallace had his moments too, but if I had to pick between the two, it would definitely be uh, Dylan and uh, Suarez.
0: Yeah, I think Suarez actually was particularly impressive. Um, He was making some very bold, aggressive moves. He sort of fell back and would get himself back up there. It didn't seem like he had a lot of help, and he ends up um, leading 11 laps. So I talked to both of them after the race, Jordan, and um, Ty Dillon had immediately gone over to Clint Boyer. And he said, he he stopped Boyer before Boyer came to the media center and said, yo, dude, like, what could I have done differently there? Because he felt like he pulled out a line because he wanted to make something happen. The position he was in, he wasn't going to win, and nobody went with him. So he ends up getting shuffled to the back, and he ends up finishing 16th. And so Boyer basically told him, like, you know, there's really – you know, there's no right answer here. But so Dylan was saying, you know, I'm part of me is kicking myself because I gave away a good finish. But on the other hand, you know, I felt like I had to go for it. I want to win. So and, and then Suarez was saying, you know, I'm still learning and I don't know. I was aggressive, but I don't know how aggressive you have to be um, in these situations late in these races. So maybe I should have been more. But he he felt like he just got caught on the bottom lane twice. Um, in those final two restarts got pinned down there. He called it bad luck and Suarez ends up finishing 17th. So unfortunate for those guys, but still st- represented themselves pretty well. Um, Michael McDowell get ends up getting his best career finish. I saw somebody tweeted, I think it's that Talon guy on Twitter. Talon 64. Is that his name? Um, he tweeted that this was Michael McDowell's first top five finish of his career and he was the active driver who had gone the longest without a top-five finish. What did you think of McDowell's run?
1: I was impressed, and I know there's a lot of angry drivers at him. I know Jimmy Johnson kind of
0: was not was displeased. I, know, I We know Chase Elliott was not happy, but I'm okay if you're Michael. Wait. What was Chase Elliott's? Uh, he said something like, I've never seen a bigger dumbass, and he couldn't drive a wood— screw through a pile of something
1: yeah there's something like that it that, that basically summarizes it nicely but if you're michael mcdowell you you come into these plate races knowing like i have a chance out of all the races throughout the year my best chance to win and have a good finish is at held and daytona and you come in you have to be aggressive and you're gonna have to make some take some chances you're gonna have to angry some guys and if you make a few enemies out there so what and You know what, for him, a fourth place finish is like a win, and at the end of the day, who cares if someone's mad at you? You know what, you're going out there to win. And and I heard an interesting thing by Kevin Harvick this week, and I thought it really kind of uh, summarized everything nicely. He goes, when I leave Talladega and Daytona, I am not mad at anybody about leaving me out to dry or something they might have done because this is plate racing, and oh. it's unlike anything else, and you have to be really aggressive, and you have to be selfish and, and look out for yourself. And I think that's when you, especially when you're driving for a small team like that, that's even more so. And good for Michael McDowell to go out there and finish fourth. Yeah, Jimmy Johnson's mad at him. Yeah, Chase Elliott's mad at him. But you know what? At the end of the day, he got his fourth place finish. Good for him.
0: You know, it's it's so crazy to look at the running order sometimes after these races. Um, I mean, Brendan Gaughan, who I think was in an incident, um, he ends up finishing seventh. I mean, it's so crazy. Like, so um, I talked to Pierce Dietrich from DraftKings before the race to do a story on DraftKings strategy, and he's like, basically saying, no matter what, you've got to pick the guys in the back, pick the guys in the thirties. You know, it goes against your instinct, but but that's what you should do. So I followed his advice. Well, one of my picks was Cole Witt. He crashed or he blew up early. Um, another one was Truex and he got in a crash. Well, the other three that I had or the other four that I had um, end up finishing so high. I think I had like um, McDowell. I had um, I can't remember exactly who, but anyway. I ended up doing fine. And people tweeted me and said, hey, I won money with the, your recommended picks because of that strategy. I mean, it's it's crazy how guys come up from the back, but it happens again and again. And it's I know plate racing, you know, has its detractors, including me as far as the the wrecks. I mean, that that scares the crap out of me at times, but it is kind of crazy and fun the way it all shakes out
1: and i think there's value i mean i think you look at this and there are some really good value here because you have guys like michael mcdowell who's a really good plate racer who isn't necessarily a name that comes to the top of mind and look at brendan gone well brendan finished 11th in daytona 500 so if you're looking for like a sneaky good pick why not pick him why not take a flyer and look at the top ten only one guy started in the top ten that was the winner ricky senos jr so yeah i mean you you know look at the finishing order and you all these guys you don't expect but that's that's the way to do
0: it at, at these places Was it you who tweeted something about Russian roulette late in the race? I can't remember who it was. Somebody – oh, maybe it was Matt Weaver tweeted something like, um, only X amount of laps left in the Russian roulette 400. Because, I mean, it really is such a lottery in in a lot of ways. Um, Like you said, you look at the the starting positions. Um, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. started sixth, but it's double digits for everybody else, all the way down to 14th place, Jamie McMurray in eighth. Um, I mean – It's crazy. It's crazy. So um, let's talk about the wreck that Kyle Larson was involved in. That scared the crap out of me, and I know people call me a wuss and make fun of me on Twitter for uh, constantly, like, being scared of the race uh, when we're at plate tracks. But, I mean, gosh, I was, like, watching Larson go up in the air, and I thought, again, oh, God, here he goes in the stands again. Um, He's going to tear down the fence, and he was able to come back down. There was another... Um, incident earlier where some cars got turned and I thought oh gosh one of them might get airborne Um, I think NASCAR got lucky I think they got lucky with the Kurt Busch incident I'm glad he wasn't hurt too because that was a hard hit Um, I mean are the cars really that safe or is it just another instance of you know we're sort of being lulled into a, a false sense of security
1: I feel it's a little bit of both. I feel like NASCAR's done a really good job of, of taking steps, especially if we had that kind of epidemic last year where all these cars were getting airborne and, and getting into the catch fence and everything. And they, they've done a good job of addressing that but you're going to get you have to get lucky as well and that incident with Larson is the exact kind of incident where a guy gets airborne somebody hits him and launches him into a fence and how he didn't I don't understand it and like you said Kirk Busch's crash reminded me a lot of Kevin Harvick's crash from 2014 here when he went head on into the wall and they didn't have a safer barrier then either and that was a hard hit and Busch walked away from that and that's a testament to Daytona and NASCAR that they've put in safer barriers everywhere now and they deserve credit for that but I, I like you I, I like what plate racing represents i like the fact that's unpredictable that you have unlikely winners and it's competitive and all these passing and exciting and great storylines that's fantastic but the safety aspect of it scares me the crap out of me and when we see these guys get airborne and the cars get into the fencing and nobody is really gotten seriously hurt including fans at some point that's going to run out and
0: nascar has gotten pretty lucky in that front i don't think there's any way to deny that well, Jordan, I know some people who are going to benefit from tonight, and that is the people that work on the cars back of the shop and do the sheet metal and all that stuff. They'll, they'll have some good job security. And you know who else has some good job security?
1: I have no idea, but please tell me.
0: Probably the people who graduate from Samtech because when I visited Samtech, which is the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology, I visited them in Houston um, when we were moving back from Albuquerque to Charlotte temporarily. They have somebody there who is part of the family that runs a school and she basically is fielding so many calls from potential employers that they're calling her saying, Hey, we need this person. We need, we need these positions. And she's like, we only have so many people at our school cause it's, it's they, they don't just accept anybody in the school. Like they're, this is a high level school where they're training people for high performance race teams. I was gonna say, do you think I could get in? Cause I might need a career change. You, you have to know you, you first of all, you don't need a career change. You're doing fine at SPNation.com. But if you did, you'd have to first take like a basic exam that shows your technical aptitude, I guess. Then you can get in. But, you know, they might accept you. They accept people from all over the world, even Dubai come there. But anyway, so she sits there at this computer and people are calling her and they're like, hey, you know, we we have a position at our company. Not even necessarily like a race team at times, but like, you know, a place like Boeing because they know how to do machine tools and stuff like that. They're, they're about to have like a a welding program that they're going to be adding at some point. And, you know, so like they might even need an oil rig or something in the future that's like, hey, we need somebody that knows how to do underwater welding. And you almost have your pick of jobs, essentially, when you graduate from Samtech. So that would be a good thing for you if if, if your career didn't work out. I
1: might have to actually apply. I don't know if I can get in because I'm not really a technical aptitude guy. I probably would flunk the test, but
0: I might have to give it a shot. Okay. Well, if you are interested, go to samtech.edu for more information, Jordan. Now, we do need a hashtag to talk about um, the race tonight. It's getting late. Do you have anything that comes to mind? 14 caution
1: flags, a race record. I
0: think only one thing is appropriate, (laughs) CrashFest400. I like that, CrashFest400. And the final question, Jordan – is what percent of people in my was it a good race poll do you think will say that it was a good race? Now, I have to tell you, I've been pretty close the last couple weeks. I'm not sure for this race. I feel like it's going to be, you know, oh, you know what? I'm going to say 83% of people may say it was a good race. It didn't have a bad finish like the xfinity race where the overtime rule came into play and even though dale jr wrecked out i still feel like people thought it was a wild crazy race so i'm going to say 83 percent of people will say that it was a good race what do you think i think you're close but i
1: also think you're a little high just because of the earnhardt factor i think if you had, had a good finish or been in the mix or won the race i think that would have been a, a good number maybe even higher but because he, he crashed out and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. isn't necessarily like a fan favorite or one of those guys
0: we, you know, people he has a big following. I'm going to say 73 percent, 73 percent. OK, that's a pretty big gap. So we'll see who's right in the was it a good race poll. So, Jordan, any final thoughts before we uh, let you go here? Is there a cash prize if I win this? No, there's no cash prize. There's no prize of any kind, uh, especially for you, because you have to, since I stayed at your house, apparently do the laundry. Um so that's like the worst prize possible. Uh, in fact, you lose. Oh,
1: well, that's typically life star. Yeah.
0: So, uh thank you guys for for joining me on the Untitled Podcast. Um headed back to Portland, Oregon in just a few hours actually, so um probably try to get a little bit more caffeine, stay up all night, head to the airport um by the time you wake up in the morning and hear this. Hopefully, I will be either halfway back to Portland or somewhere on the way back. We do have um, some interviews coming up this week on the 12 questions. It's going to be 12 questions with Ryan Blaney, so that's something to look forward to. And then the social spotlight for this week is likely going to be with Brett Griffin, the spotter for Clint Boyer and a man that you know from the Door Bumper Clear podcast on Dirty Mo Radio. So that's all for now. Thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you next time on the Untitled Jeff Gluck Podcast.